Well, good morning, Grace family. It is so good to be with you today. And uh, just want to say, Dr. Wilson, thank you so much for this opportunity. Uh, it's a, truly an honor and a privilege for me to be able to stand in this pulpit and share the word of God with you today. Uh, and I say Grace family for a reason, because how many of you know we're all family, amen? And, uh, and it is a privilege for, you, uh, for me to be here with you. Uh, but before we get started, Grace family, I need to introduce you to my family. So I'm going to put a picture up on the screen for you today. That is my family right there. Uh, my wife, Destiny, we have now been married for 18 years. Oh, yeah, go ahead and clap. They're beautiful. I mean, that's as good as it gets. They're a whole lot prettier than me. So uh, uh, my wife, Destiny, uh, we've been married for 18 years. Uh, she is an attorney. Uh, she also runs three businesses. She speaks fluent Mandarin. Uh, she's on staff at our church. And I know what you're already thinking. Why did she marry him, Right. Uh, and, uh, and, and these are my kids. Carolina Lee is my oldest daughter. Uh, she is the CEO of our family. I know it looks like that me and my wife are parenting this tribe. We are not. She is running the show. So much so that when me and my wife told her that we were pregnant, going to have our fifth child, she said, uh, I'm really a little upset. And we said, well, why are you upset? She said, because you did not consult me in this matter. She said, I am already raising three children. I do not know if I can raise four. <laughs> to which my wife said, what do you mean that you are raising three children? And she sat there for a moment and she thought, and she said, yeah, you're right. Dad does help me sometimes. <laughs> and uh, Julietta Marie, she is our next daughter. She is our warrior princess. That next beautiful little girl you see there, that is Ella Francesca. Uh, I know she looks like she's the middle child, but let me know she is the youngest middle child you've ever met in your life. Uh, we are praying that she will learn how to tie her own shoes before she is 10 years old. Uh, and then my two sons, Jacob and Coda. Uh, I had a head full of hair and no gray in my beard before my sons were born. Uh, and in the last three years, all of my hair has fallen out and my beard is turning gray. Uh, just kidding. I haven't had hair for a long time, but those boys are a handful. I wanted to introduce you to my family and uh, hopefully one day they will be able to come and experience the, the great country of Singapore as well. Let me just say to you before we get started today that I am so grateful that you are here. I'm so grateful that you are watching online because I really do believe today that there is something that God wants to speak to your heart. I believe there is something that God wants to do in your life. I believe there's something that God wants to do in your home today. And let's just be honest for a moment. And that is this, that, that this season has been a challenging season. Doesn't matter where you have lived in the world, it, it has been a difficult time in these last few years. And today, my assignment, my assignment from the Lord is to encourage you and inspire you from the word of God. Now, my background is as an athlete. I grew up as an athlete and I've coached American football. Uh, I know it's not the real football. Okay, I understand that. We don't have to. I, I know, I know. Uh, but uh, I grew up playing American football, coaching American football. My background is in coaching. Uh, and, uh, and as a matter of fact, so much so that my, my church back home, they don't even call me pastor. 
They call me coach because that is who I am. Actually, we had somebody come and visit our church and uh, they were a former university athlete. And when service was over and I got to meet them, they said, wow, this doesn't even feel like a church. It felt like I was in a locker room and I knew that's when my dreams had come true. Okay. Jesus had moved in and our church was now a locker room. And so I am a coach and uh, that is going to be felt a little bit today. Church, this is not a season for us to shrink back. Instead, this is a moment for us to move forward. This is not a time for us to shrink back, but this is a time for us to move forward. Is it, it is a time for us to advance personally. It's a time for us to advance corporately. It's a time for us to advance as the body of Christ on this earth. That, that word advance, let me give you a definition this morning. That word advance means to move forward in a purposeful way, to make progress, to move forward in a purposeful way, to make progress. You see, everybody today is moving forward. Everybody's moving forward because the earth is moving forward, traveling through outer space. Don't think about that too long. It gets a little creepy, but we are traveling through outer space. Earth is moving forward. How many know that time is moving forward today? Whether you want it to or not, time is moving forward. Everybody is moving forward, but hear me today. Not everybody is moving forward on purpose and with purpose. And that is the difference between advancing and existing. And here's the choice that we all have to make. Am I just going to exist in this life or am I going to advance in this life? Am I just going to wait on the blessed hope in, in glory land? Am I just going to wait on heaven or am I going to advance in the kingdom of God today and see heaven come to earth through my life today? This is the choice that we have to make. If we say, okay, I want to advance, well, what are we advancing into? We are all advancing into the life that Jesus said was possible. We are advancing into this life that Jesus told us we could have. And Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, in the amplified version, he says, I came that they may have and enjoy life, that they may have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. Church, that is the life that Jesus came for us to have. Jesus came so that we could have an abundant life, that we could live a life that is full and overflowing, that we might be able to live a remarkable and an extraordinary life. Now, we're not talking about you having a dream vacation or getting a new car. Do not get this twisted. What we are talking about is a brand new life, a life that is full and overflowing with supernatural peace, a life that is full and overflowing with supernatural joy and supernatural courage and supernatural strength. This is the life that Jesus promised us we could have. Now, here's what the apostle Paul said. The apostle Paul was a leader in the early church and this is what he said about this possible life, this promised life that Jesus said we could have in Ephesians chapter three, verse 20. He says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we may ask or think according to the power that works in us. 
You see, this super abundance, this, this exceedingly abundantly above, this super abundance comes when I allow God's power to work in me. So we could say it this way today, that if we want to advance into everything that God has for us, if we want to advance into this supernatural existence, if we want to advance into the possible life, then we are going to advance through his power and our posture. Everybody say his power. Say our posture. Say his power. Say my posture. Now, everybody in this room would agree with this, that there is a process to progress. If you want bigger biceps, you have to go to the gym. And whenever you lift weights, we understand there is a process to the progress. But there is something else that champions and winners understand. Champions and winners understand that not only is there a process to the progress, there is also a posture for the process. There is a posture for the process. And what I like to call this is I call this the stance to advance. There is a stance that we must get in if we want to advance into what God has for us. Let me just give you a couple definitions of that word stance. And the first maybe is what we normally think of. That is the position or bearing of the body while standing. And and I told you earlier that my background is in athletics and as a coach and maybe nothing more important in sports than your stance. And, and it doesn't matter what sport you're playing, basketball or baseball or soccer or fake football known as American football, whatever it is that, that you're playing, the stance is normally the same. You're going to have to bend your knees. You're going to have to uh, uh, keep your chest up, keep your head up. You're going to have to be, this is what we call the athletic position, the ready position, the athletic stance. But there is a second definition for the word stance that I want to bring your attention to. And it is the mental or emotional position adopted with respect to something. The mental or emotional position adopted with respect to something. And now in that definition, I want you to pay attention to the word adopted because that word adopted means to choose to take as your own. Now there's nothing that, that, that anybody could do to force me to adopt a child. I, I would have to choose to make that choice. And it would be my choice to adopt a child, the same for you. I, nobody can force you to do that. Well, here's the reality is that everybody walked in this room today with a mental and emotional position that you have adopted, meaning that you have chosen to take it as your own. Nobody can force that mental or emotional position on you. Nobody, you, your parents couldn't do it. Your spouse couldn't do it. Your boss couldn't do it. Nobody could force you into that mental or emotional position. The mental and emotional position you walked in with is the one that you have chosen to adopt. You have chosen to make that your posture. Now, life is so much like sports and that if you don't start in a good stance, you don't have a chance. If you don't start in a good stance, you don't have a chance. Nobody in sports goes out and plays like this. Because it doesn't matter what sport you're playing, if you play in this posture, in this position, it's not going to turn out well for you. But do you realize that every morning you wake up, 
and you roll out of bed, you are getting in a stance and the stance that you get in will determine how you play the day. You see, we have stances about everything. We have a mental and emotional position about the relationships in our life. We have a mental and emotional relation, uh, a position about our past, our present, and our future. We have mental and emotional positions about everything. We even have a position about things called Monday. Everybody laughs because there's 10,000 memes about Monday. Monday. Everybody hates Monday. And if it's Monday and we roll out of bed and we are in a bad mental and emotional posture because it's Monday, guess what? Monday runs right over us and we don't know what hit us and it's not even 9 a.m. yet. But our, our posture, our stance... It determines how we play the day. You see, I want to get out of bed every day in a mental and emotional posture that says, I want to attack this day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. I want to attack this day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. And listen, church, shouldn't we be the most joyful? Shouldn't we be the most hopeful? Shouldn't we be the most positive and encouraging people on the planet? Because the Spirit of God is on the inside of us. And so every day I get out of bed, I should get out of bed in a great stance that says, I don't know what's going to come my way today, but I am going to be ready for it. Because I am in the right mental and emotional posture. I am ready for whatever the day may bring because Jesus Christ is living and alive and well on the inside of me. I mean, after all, the Bible says in Romans 15, right? It says, may, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you might overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would overflow with hope so that everywhere you go today, hope is just spilling out of you. When you go in for a coffee, hope just spills over on the barista. When you walk past your coworker, hope just spills out on your co. When you're just walking down the street, hope is spilling out of you. Why? Because you are so full of hope. Why? Because you got in the right stance when you started your day. The stance to advance. Now you may be thinking, whew, I mean, that sounds good, but my stance isn't good. <laughs> I mean, I'm really glad that Philip came today and he's really excited about the stance. But if we got honest, we'd say, my stance isn't very hopeful right now. My stance isn't very joyful right now. My stance isn't very positive right now. My stance is not overflowing right now. My stance is not very remarkable. It's not very extraordinary right now. I've got very good news for you. And the news is this, if your stance was adopted, then it can be adapted. If your stance was adopted, then it can be adapted, meaning that every single person in this room can get in a better stance. You say, how? How, how do we do that? Well, the, the Bible tells us, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, do not copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. The, the NIV translation says, let God transform you by the renewing of your mind. 
Church, can, can I tell you something today? That, that just because your spirit is reborn, that does not mean that your mind is renewed. Just because you have been born again into the family of God, it does not mean that your mental and emotional position is what it needs to be to live out the life that God has called you to live on this earth. I love Craig Crochelle. He pastors the largest church in the U.S. And he said this, he says, your life is always moving in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. Your life is always moving in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. You see, we make a mistake so many times. We are waiting for things to change instead of working for our thinking to change. We are waiting for things to change instead of working for our thinking to change. I love this quote from James Allen. He says, people are anxious to improve their circumstances, but are unwilling to prove themselves. They therefore remain bound. See, everybody wants the situations and circumstances of their life to change, but to change the situation and circumstances of our life, I mean, understand that we have to change. We have to change our thinking. And if we don't change our way of thinking, then we remain a prisoner to this old life that we are trapped in. But if we are willing to get in a new stance, if we are willing to get in the right stance, then we can advance into everything that God has. And maybe we'd say right now, okay, well, how do we do that? How do we get in a better stance? What makes up a better stance, this stance to advance? Just two words I want to uh, hit very briefly, and that is excellence and resilience. So the same way that you would look at the athletic stance, and there's two foundational pillars being your, your, your legs there in the athletic stance, these are the two pillars for you to get in your stance. We might say, okay, well, what is excellence? What is excellence? Excellence is doing your best to bring the best out of you. That's what excellence is. When you wake up every day and you're going to do your best to bring the very best out of you. I love what Booker T. Washington said. He says, excellence is to do a common thing in an uncommon way. Excellence is to do a common thing. Listen, we're, we're all doing common things in life. Marriage, parenting, Work, business, these are very common things. Friendship, church, life, these are common things. But do you know that you can do ordinary things extraordinarily? You can do marriage in such a way that it will catch people's attention. You can do business in such a way that people will actually take notice. You can do relationship and friendship in a way that people say, that's not normal. That's actually extraordinary. That's what excellence does. And why is excellence important? Because excellence honors God and it inspires people. Excellence honors God. When you live with excellence, that's how you honor God. Whenever you live with excellence, it's how you develop the gift that God put in you. And not only develop the gift God put in you, it is also how you deploy the, the purpose and the gift that God give you to, into this earth. It's what excellence is. It's what excellence does. It's why excellence is so important. The, the greatest way you can honor God is to do what God put you on this earth to do. And the only way you can do that is through excellence. 
And so whenever you live with excellence, you develop the gift that God gave you. And then you begin to give that gift to the world. It's how we honor God. But, but not only does excellence honor God, excellence also inspires people. When, when people experience excellence, it gets their attention and, and they are inspired. And listen, whenever you inspire people, inspired people become interested people because whenever you live extraordinarily, people start paying attention to you. Well, you're always just so happy. You're always so joyful. You're, you're just always so positive and they don't experience that and then they get very interested. I, I, I go to the gym most days, and uh, when I go into the gym early in the morning uh, for a number of, of years, there was uh, a lady who was, uh, my, the gym that I go to, it's right next to a little sandwich shop. And uh, she would be out there, I maybe see her once every week or once every two weeks, she would be out smoking behind the sandwich shop, and I would be going into the gym to work out. And, and whenever I would pass her, she would say, how are you doing? Always early in the morning, 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, I would be passing her, and she would say, how are you doing? And I would always say, I'm absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for asking, right? And I would ask her, how are you doing? And she would say, well, it's Monday. And finally, one day, this lady had had enough of me. I come walking by 5.45 in the morning, and she says, how are you doing today? And I said, I am absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for, uh, for asking. And I opened the door of the gym, and I was about to walk into it, and then that lady just let me have it. She says, how in the world are you so fantastic every single morning I see you? And as I was standing there, it just came out of me. And, and I said this, I said, because I've been practicing for 20 years. And then I walked into the gym and the door closed behind me. And I said, I better write that down. That was profound. <laughs> you see, it's really true. I've been practicing a stance for 20 years. I've been practicing getting out of bed with the mentality and an emotional position that says I'm going to attack this day with an enthusiasm that is unknown to mankind. And every time I approached her, I lived that mission. I lived out that purpose so much so that it caught her attention. And, and out of that, we started having conversation. And it just so happened that one day her granddaughter was killed in a tragic car accident. And do you know who she wanted to talk to? The person that had been inspiring her every morning because she didn't have anybody else. And it was there that she stopped. I noticed one day she was sad and I stopped and I said, hey, what's going on? And she said, I've been back here waiting on you. And she said, my daughter was just, my granddaughter was just killed in a tragic car accident just yesterday. And I was able to have a moment and to be able to pray with her. But how many of you know if I would have been walking by her every day, oh, it's Monday. <laughs> oh, I got to go to the gym. <laughs> if, I, if I would have been walking past her upset, irritated, aggravated, no energy, no enthusiasm, no positivity, no joy, when she would have been in a crisis moment, she would not have wanted to talk to me. But whenever she thought, is there anybody in my life that, that might have a perspective that could help me? She did not know that I was a Christian. She did not know that I was a pastor. She just knew that I was somebody that had real life on the inside side of me. And in her moment of despair and heartbreak, she wanted to talk to me. 
See, that's what excellence does, church. Whenever you live with excellence, it will inspire people and inspired people become interested people and interested people want to have conversations about what makes you the way that you are. Then you get to share about the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and at the center of all of your peace and all of your joy and all of your hope is a man named Jesus Christ. But if we do not live with excellence, and we are not inspiring people, and people do not find us interesting, and therefore they are not going to want to talk to us about what is at the core of our life. So I told you that this first pillar is excellence, but let's talk quickly about this other pillar, this other foundation of resilience. What is resilience? Resilience is defined as this, this is my definition, that resilience is responding the best when you don't do your best or when things aren't their best. Resilience is responding the best when you don't do your best or when things aren't at their best. There's another definition for this word that I love and it, it, it's buoyancy, it, it's, it's, it's a flotation device, right? It, it's when a flotation device is floating on the water, it is, it is buoyant. Now what happens if you get in a swimming pool and you take that flotation device and you pull it underneath the water and you let it go, what happens? Not a trick question. It rises back. I think the same thing happens in Singapore as in America. It rises back up to the top of the water. You say, why does that happen? Because it was designed to float. It was designed to stay on top of the water. And what resilience means is that you, no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what trouble is trying to pull you under, no matter what lie the enemy is trying to use to pull you under, you can be resilient and you can always float back to the top. Why? Because that's where God designed you to be. God designed you to live on the top of your trouble. He designed for you to live on the top of your adversity. He designed you to live on the top of your difficulty. We do not live in denial that it's tough. We don't live in denial that it was hard. We just get to live above it because the goodness of our God. We can be resilient. We can float back to the top. Why is resilience important? Let's give you three, queen, three things real quickly as we draw to a conclusion today. The, the first reason that resilience is important is that bad things are going to happen. You say, wow, I'm so glad I came to church today to hear that. Bad things are going to happen. Jesus told us so himself. I don't have to tell you that. Jesus said it in John 16. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. He didn't say you might have trouble. It's possible for you to run into a storm. No, he said you will have trouble, but be encouraged. But take courage, for I have won the battle over the world. Now listen, friends, if we know that bad things are going to happen, then we need to be prepared with resilience when they do. 
If bad things are going to happen, we need to be ready and we need to be in a stance that says, I know bad things are going to happen and when they do, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be in the stance to advance so that I can always float back to the top. Bad things are going to happen. Here's the second reason that resilience is important is that we will miss the mark of excellence. We will miss the mark of excellence. Romans 3.23, the apostle Paul wrote and he said, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. I love the amplified version because it says we all continually fall short. It's not just that we have missed the mark, it's that we are going to miss the mark. <laughs> it's just not that you made a mistake in your past. It's going to be that you're also going to make another mistake in your future. Now, friends, hear me. This is not a license to sin, but this is a reason for resilience. Please don't walk out of here and say, well, I mean, I mean the preacher said we were going to make mistakes, so I'm going to make a good one. You know, no, that's not what we're talking about. This is not a license to sin, but this is a reason for resilience. We are going to miss the mark. But hear me, don't allow missing the mark to take you off your mark. Because every runner, when they're running a race, they, they get in their stance and it is on your mark. Get set Go, do not let missing the mark take you off your mark. And if you allow yourself to, to remove yourself from your mark because you missed the mark, then you're going to step out of the race that God called you to run. No, whenever you miss your mark, you have to be resilient. And you have to say, that's okay, I'm still in my stance. I might have missed the mark, but I'm still in my stance because you have to run the race that God put you on this earth to run. You are an important part of the kingdom of God. And if you don't run your race, the whole kingdom of God will suffer because we need you to do what God put you on this earth to do. Don't allow missing the mark to take you off your mark. And isn't that what the enemy specializes in? Pointing the finger at you whenever you make a mistake. Who are you to think you can run this race? You're not qualified. You're not really called. Who, who do you think you are to share this good news? Who do you think you are to be an ambassador for Christ? Who do you think you are? And here you are, you're on your mark. And whenever you miss your mark and you let the enemy talk you out of your race and then you just back up. No, oh, friends, we need you on your mark. We need you running your race. This is why you've got to have resilience in your life. Here's the, the third reason why resilience is important. Bad things are going to happen. Number two, we'll miss the mark. Number three is this. Our response influences the outcome. Our response influences the outcome. Jack, Jack Canfield he uh, uh, has a success formula. Uh, Jack Canfield, I don't know, uh, I, I, I Googled it a little bit, but Jack Canfield, you might not recognize that name, but Jack Canfield was the writer of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Chicken Soup for the Soul. Anybody here over 40, you might remember Chicken Soup for the Soul. If you're under 40, you have no idea what I'm talking about. 
And I actually Googled, I was like, chicken soup for the soul, seeing like, did chicken soup for the soul reach Singapore? And then I realized he had a book called Chicken Soup for the Singapore Soul. I was like, oh my goodness, look at this. I mean, he had chicken soup for everybody, the whole world. He was providing chicken soup for everybody. It's a, it's a book written with just encouraging stories, heartwarming stories, inspiring and uplifting stories. The whole book is just stories called Chicken Soup for the Soul. But he had a success formula, and his success formula was this, E plus R equals O, which is event plus response equals outcome. Event plus response equals outcome. Now, here's what the enemy would like to have you believe. Here's even the narrative that exists within the world, and they like to take the R out of the formula and just say E equals O, and that the event that happened in your life is going to determine the outcome of your life. Oh, well, because that happened, then you'll never be able to do that. Oh, because you made that mistake. Oh, you disqualified yourself. Oh, the event equals the outcome. Oh, because, because you were mistreated. Or oh, because this happened to you. Or oh, because that. The E equals O. No, 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 friends. That, that's not the formula. It is E plus R equals O because your response matters. Say, how do we know that? The writer of Proverbs, Solomon, he wrote this in, in Proverbs 24. He says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. Everybody say again. Come on, say again. They will get up again. Friends, your gain is always found in your again. Your gain is always found in your again. I hope you never see the word again the same. The word gain is found in again for a reason. That's because whenever you decide to get up again, that is your gain. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to convince you why you, why you tripped and why you're on the ground that you do not deserve to get up. You don't have what it takes to get up. You should not get back in the race because because you are just going to blow it again. But the gain is found whenever you get back up. And that's what I love uh, about what the scripture says, the godly may trip seven times. It didn't say the, the mess up will trip seven times or the dysfunctional person trips seven times or, or uh, the, the, the loser trips seven times. No friends, the godly, <laughs> the godly, the person who is going after God, they might trip but they will get back up again because they know that their response matters. Donald Miller, an author, he, he wrote a book entitled A Hero on a Mission, and, and he makes similarities in that book between like superheroes and the villains. And I found this very interesting because this is what he says. He says oftentimes that they both have a tragic event that happens in their life. The, the heroes and, and, and the villains. And he says they have a tragic event and he just, you know, draws out that uh, Batman, Batman's parents were murdered, right? Uh, Spider-Man, he loses an uncle that was like a father figure and a girlfriend. And, and, and then he goes to him and says, oh, you know, all the villains, the, all the villains had something unfortunate, tragic happen in their life. And then he says this, he says, the difference in the outcome is in their response to the event. And that the villains stay victims. They say, the world did this to me and the world must pay. But heroes become victors. 
saying, this happened to me, but I want to help others and I want to do whatever I can so this does not happen to them. The victims, the villains stay victims, but the heroes become victors. Not because they're denying the pain of their past. Not because they are denying what happened back behind. That's not it at all. No, 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 my friends. What they're saying is I'm not gonna be defined by what happened in my past. I'm not gonna be defined by the unfortunate things that happened behind me. Instead, I'm going to continue to move forward. Church, hear me, those watching online today. Things have the ability to really change in your life whenever you acknowledge that the main resistance you face to making progress is not in front of you, but within you. I call this the transformative moment of awareness. As a high-performance executive coach, I get to work with a lot of really high-performing people, executives, and really big companies. And This is always what it comes down to. Because there's always somebody to blame around us. There's always somebody to point a finger at. There's always an event in the past, event in the present. There's always a person that we can say, well, the outcome of my life is, is this, that, whatever, COVID-19, whatever it is. But a transformative moment of awareness says that the biggest challenge I face is not outside of me. The biggest challenge I face is on the inside of me. Think about it for a moment as we close today. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus promised you abundant life. And do you know that Jesus couldn't promise you something if it was dependent on other people acting right or everything and every situation in your life being right? He couldn't have made that promise. If every person in your life had to be acting right, and if every situation and circumstance in your life had to be right, Jesus couldn't make the promise. But Jesus made you a promise of abundant life because that promise is not dependent upon the people in your life or the situations in your life. That promise is determined by two things, His power and your posture. His power and your posture. I would say it to you this way today. You living the abundant life has more to do with your current stance than your circumstance. Because the promise of God is not dependent upon your spouse or your kids. The promise of God is not dependent on your parents or your boss. The promise of God is not dependent upon the state of the world. It's not dependent upon the economy. It's not dependent upon anything else. No, friends, hear me today. If the abundant life is happening in your life, it's going to determine more about what's my current stance and not what is my circumstance. And I gave you the good news earlier. 
everybody in the room can get in a better stance. You can get in the stance to advance and it doesn't matter what adversity you're facing. It doesn't matter how high the challenges are in your life right now. It doesn't matter how difficult the people in your life might be. The promise of Jesus is that he is greater on the inside of you than anything found around you. That his super can invade your natural so that you might have a supernatural existence on this earth. That's the promise of Jesus for you. His power and your posture. His power and your posture, it's an unstoppable combination. His power working in you and your posture to say today, God, I'm gonna live with excellence. I'm gonna do the very best I can to bring the best out of me, but then I'm also gonna live with resilience. And even when things aren't their best or I don't do my best, I'm going to respond the best because I know that my response matters. It's not the events of my life that determine the outcome. It's my response to those events that determine my outcome. And if the godly fall and get back up, then count me among the godly because I will rise up again. I will believe again. I will pray again. I will try again. I will get in the race again. I'm going to run my race for the glory of God. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet, church? Bow your heads just for a moment. Bow your heads, just close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know what your posture was when you walked in the room. Maybe your mental and emotional position was one of despair. Maybe it was one of hopelessness. Maybe you walked in with a mental and emotional position of fear, of doubt, of worry and anxiety. Maybe all the uncertainty in the world and the uncertainty on the job and all of the unknowns, maybe it has just worn you down. And if you were honest with me today, if you were honest with God today, you would say, Philip, my stance is not what it needs to be. But if I am going to advance, if I am going to move forward in a purposeful way, if I'm going to make progress to the remarkable, extraordinary life that Jesus came for me to have, then I'm going to have to change my stance today. Your stance was adopted, but it can be adapted. Everybody in this room can get in a better stance to say, God, I need you to help me. I need you to help me get in a better stance so that I can advance into everything that you have for me. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. You say, Philip, I know I need to get in a better stance today. I need to get in a better stance. I need to get in a more hopeful stance, a more joyful stance. I need to get in a more encouraging stance, a more inspiring stance. I need to get in that stance of excellence and that stance of resilience. 
I don't want to live my life in excuses. I want to live my life with the response of faith to the trial and adversity of life. If that's you today, you say, Philip, I, I want to get in a better stance. Regardless of what that stance was that you came in with, you say, I know I need a better stance right there where you are right now. Would you just lift up your hand right there and say, Philip, I need a better stance. I want to pray for you today. I'm just going to ask that you would leave that hand up just for a moment. Come on, if you need to get in a better stance, you need that excellence, you need that resilience. Wow, hands up all over this place. You know what I want to do right now? If you, if you raise that hand, you say, I, I know I need to get in a better stance. I'm just going to give you the opportunity to make a move because this is what we're talking about. We're talking about advancing. We're talking about to move forward in a purposeful way. And I'm I'm going to invite you right now to move forward. If you lifted up your hand, you say, I I want to move forward. I want the stance to advance. I'm I'm gonna invite you right now. If you'll just move out of the place that you're standing and come stand right here with me. I wanna pray for you today. I wanna believe that today's a significant day. Today's a day of change. Just go ahead and move right now. Just come. Come right now. If you lifted your hand, say, I I know I need to get in a better stance. I'm just gonna give you that chance, give you that opportunity today to respond, to move forward. All across the room today, I know many of you responding at home, watching online, you're in the room today, and maybe you didn't come down front, but you know, like you know, you say, God, Philip, I need to get in a better stance. Or maybe you're standing down here in the front. I'm gonna ask us all to participate right now. Come on, will you just turn turn your, your hands towards heaven right now? Come on, just turn your hands towards heaven. I want you to pray this prayer after me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I know that I need you. I need your love and your grace. I need your love and your grace. I need your power and forgiveness. I, need your power and forgiveness. I am ready, I am ready. To, get in a better stance. to get in a better stance. The stance to advance. The stance to advance. Excellence, and resilience. Excellence and resilience. Your power. Your power. My posture. My posture. To, advance to advance into everything you have for me. I am ready to live the life that you said was possible. Father, I thank you for every person in this room who lifted their hands. I thank you for every person that came down front. I thank you for every person that's watching online right now saying, I need to get in the stance to advance. God, I pray that you would help us through excellence and resilience to get in the stance so that we might all move forward into everything that you have for us. God, thank you. Thank you today as people are taking a step towards you. Thank you today that people are saying, I want to live my life on purpose and with purpose. I want to make progress into the life that Jesus came for me to have. This is not the season to shrink back. This is the moment to move forward his power 
our posture. Let us run our race for his glory and let us see the light of heaven come and let us see the world forever impacted because of it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. So here I bow just to lift you high, Jesus, be glorified in all things for all my life, and I am yours Worship the Lord, hallelujah. I look at the pastors and leaders as we lay hands on your members right now. Thank you, Lord. The rest of us just worship. Be glorified right here and So here I bow. Lord, let your power will be revealed in us that this morning, oh Father, let our posture, Lord, be unto you. Lord, touch us, stir in us again, oh Father. All my life, and I am yours forever. 